Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. It's good to be back here. Thank you, Pastor, for the honor and the privilege to be able to come here and share with you God's word. How many of you are expecting God to speak to us today? Amen. I've always seen an expectant heart being filled, so get ready. I, I'm, I'm speaking to also myself because I need this message from my heart too that God has placed in us. I come to you today with a now word from the Lord, a word for this house, and I just want you to just give me the next 30 minutes your undivided attention. Amen. I want to speak to you, I want to entitle my sermon called The Plumb Line, The Call to God's Standards. The call to God's standards, the plumb line. So the question to ask is this, what is a plumb line? The plumb line is a simple but an essential instrument. It's basically a string that is being attached to a plummet. And what that string attached to a plummet does is that it measures the straightness of a vertical surface. I do not know, but back in those days, uh, now they use lasers, but back in those days, we, uh, when they are building a wall, they will attach a string with a plummet to measure the straightness of the wall. So God is using this allegory of a plumb line to measure the standards of His people. Ladies and gentlemen, we are governed by standards. The ISO standards and this standard and that standard, we all want to reach a certain standard because it gives us the ability to be perfect. It gives us the ability to be excellent. Amen? So standards are important. And let's not kid ourselves because the Bible is full of standards. Are you hearing me? The Bible is full of standards. And the, and the beautiful thing about standards is that God never lowers His standards. He waits for you to rise up to His standard. He gives you His grace to get up. He gives you His strength to rise up. He gives you another day of another opportunity to rise up to the standard that God has. So you are living up to the standards that God desires of His people. All measurements are contrasted to the plumb line. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Many of you would know this verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, For the Word of God is alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Amen. So the Bible says the Word of God is alive and active. It's inspired. You know, and someone once said this to me, uh, I mean, and I know this, and we all know this, but that particular Sunday when I was in church, and I heard this pastor say this, the Word of God is inspired. And I've heard that word many times, but I, at that moment, it became like a light bulb moment for me. It's inspired. It inspires you to do the things that He has called you to do, to change the things, to change our ways to the ways that He desires for us to be. It inspires you. Hallelujah. You want direction? It inspires you. It tells you. It gives you the direction. The Word of God is a lamb unto my feet and a light unto my path. So in this verse, we find that the Word of God is that plumb line that sets the standards. It has the ability to judge the thoughts, the intents, and the attitudes of our heart. In its uniqueness, it is sharper than any double-aged sword. Now, what's a double-aged sword? 
Double-edged sword, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, says this, is defined, uh, defines a double-edged sword as something that can have both favorable and unfavorable consequences. That's a double-edged sword. It builds, it destroys, it kills, it resurrects. It has favorable and unfavorable consequences. And when we see the plumb line, we see the Word of God as the plumb line, as a standard, and that's the approach that God takes in everything He does. Amen. We find a plumb line being used in several places in the Bible. And when you see this, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. When you see this plumb line being mentioned in the Scriptures, there is something that you need to get ready for. That God is ready to judge in righteousness, which either means the time of judgment or God begins to restore. And, I, and I'm with the, the theme for this year for the church, restoration. What does restoration mean? That means there was something that was there before. It's not now, but it will be. That's what restoration is. It's bringing you back to the standards. And I want to add another word, restitution. Which means the times that you were lost, that was lost, you will gain it back even more. That's why for every shame, God gives you double honor. Amen. And it means that God is getting ready to judge in righteousness or bring a word of restoration to the church. And I wanted to look at two instances in the Scriptures where this plumb line has been used. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. Amos is after the book of Joel, after the book of Hosea. Amos chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. If you have your digital Bibles, it's very easy. But uh, if you have got the, the paper Bibles, uh, just flip to it. Amen. The Bible says, Thus he showed me, Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hands. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I see a plumb line. And the Lord says, Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not pass by them anymore. The high places of Isaac will be desolate, and the centuries of Israel will be laid waste. And I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. Amen. God comes to the prophet Amos right now. Let me give you a bit of a, a, a context to this story. God comes to the prophet Amos and shows him a vision. In fact, God shows him a couple of visions. It's interesting to note that the first two visions, God relents as Amos intercedes. But in the third vision, God does not relent and He tells Amos, do not intercede. In this vision, Amos sees a plumb line. Uh, sees the Lord standing uh, on the wall uh, with a plumb line in His hands. And at this point of time, God says, there is no more opportunity to intercede as God will not relent this judgment. And God says, I will not pass by them anymore, which means God will not overlook the sins any longer. And if He will not pass by them, He must pass through them. The plumb line shows that He will pass through them with a sword and judgment. His patience and forgiveness has finally ended. Ladies and gentlemen, grace is not everlasting. 
There is a process and there is a time where God says, when the, in fact, the Apostle Paul said this, do not frustrate the grace of God. Do not frustrate the grace of God. It's been given to us to change, not the license to sin. And God says His patience and His forgiveness has finally ended. He could no longer defer the punishment for their sins. The time has come to destroy them. And this is the judgment that God places upon them. Now, when God judges a nation, I want to say this to you. When God judges a nation, He would judge them on two specific requirements. Number one, He would judge them on how they administered the nation. How did they rule the nation? How did they govern the nation? Did they take care of the widows? Did they take care of the poor? Were they well fed? Were they well taken care of? Did they rule justly? And that's the first criteria that God judges on. The second criteria that God judges on is on how they have kept the high places of worship. Did they maintain the places of worship unto Jehovah God? Are you hearing me? Did they maintain the places of worship unto Jehovah God? He, uh, is the high places being honoured? Is the temple lights being lit up? Is, is, uh, is the prayers of worship as incense rising up to heaven? The king would have to judge these things. The king has to make sure that all of these things are kept. And God comes to the king and he judges them on these two prognosis. That's why every time when God gives a verdict of a king, he looks at the king and he says, these are the things I'm going to judge you on. And now he comes to them and he says, you know what? The time has come for me to put the measurement of the plumb line against how you have conducted yourself and how you have built yourself. And God comes to them with a plumb line. Now, what were the high places of Isaac? It's the altars of idols of false worship that is responsible for the moral decay. The moral decay, the spiritual decay, and the ethical decline of the people. They worship Baal. That was the condition of the land. They were worshipping foreign idols and foreign gods. Idolatry sipped into the fabric of the nation. A nation that was supposed to be glorifying Jehovah God now comes to a place of intense and extreme idolatry. And God says, this is it, man. There is only so much I can take in this thing. And through this spiritual harlotry and idolatry, God was calling them back time and time again. Return back to my standards. That's the key. And that's the key I measure you upon. But they did not. So it abused the grace that was given to them, the unmerited favor of God. And God comes to them and says, enough is enough. I'm going to be judging you on the plumb line. The second thing that they deferred was in the centuries of Israel. If you look at verse 10, the centuries of Israel. What are the centuries of Israel? The centuries of Israel are the shrines of Bethel and Dan, Gilgan and Bathsheba. Among all were the first to fall. They were the fountain heights and the attitudes of every nation. If you travel and you go to different countries, you can actually see what is governing that area. You can actually see what are the fountainheads that are ruling the environment? If you go to Bali, you quickly know that it's a Hindu state. If you go to other places, you quickly know that it's a Buddhist state. But, but these were the centuries that was, uh, that was characterizing the nation of Israel into idolatry. And what they did was they started using all this kind of sacrificial elements where they started sacrificing human bodies, babies, thrown into the fire for sacrifice. They began to, to sort physical abundance to cultic worship. 
cultic fornication to, to, to enable themselves to be fertile, especially the ladies, to give birth. And they sought all of these rituals. And God comes to them and says, you know what? The last straw was when the king Jeroboam changed the Feast of Tabernacles for it to be celebrated on the seventh day. He pushed it to the eighth day. And God says, you know what? This is it. The house of Jeroboam now will fall through this war because I'm ready to judge this nation true and true. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all doom and gloom, isn't it? But the Lord came to Moses with this hard word concerning the rule of Jeroboam. Now watch this. All of these things are happening during Jeroboam's time. And do we not see something similar that is happening even right now? Are you seeing it? All these things are causing a certain trend and God and the Word of God was using it as a standard to redefine them so that they will return back to the standards that God has for them. It was the wall that brought safety. It was the wall that brought the protection of the people. Anytime you tear down the wall, the people were proliferated by evil and, and, and unrest and safety. In fact, it was G.K. Chesterton. How many of you know him? G.K. Chesterton made this statement. He says this, Before you tear down a wall or a fence, find out first why the wall and the fence was there in the first place. Think about it. Before you tear down a wall or a fence, find out first why that wall and that fence was there in the first place. And when you begin to get through the core of the reasons as to why what that was there in the first place, you understand why the law was implemented. You look at Australia right now. The nation has legalized same-sex marriage. And what is the aim of this same-sex marriage? I tell you what's the aim. is to violate and proliferate the family unit. And that's happening right now. And I ask myself, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? What is going to happen? And God comes to them with the principle of the plumb line to test their spirituality, morality, and ethics against the standard. And ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? I see this happening in the church today. I see more compromise entering into the church than anywhere else. And we are compromising our ways with very nice subtleties that you cannot see. It's masked, it's miraged against something that looks so well spiritual. But if you dig right through the core of it, something is missing. And this is happening time and time again. And I see the church of God in compromise. I see the nations losing the fear of God. And this is happening again in this hour that we're living in. And now God is looking at the nations of the world and applying His plumb lines and the standards. And He's asking ourselves, have we governed ourselves correctly? My dear brothers and sisters, I want to give you this challenge. If the Lord stands in front of you right now, what would He say to you? What would He say to you? How would we fare? If God were to apply the standards in our lives, how would we fare today? Honestly, ask yourselves this. I've said this message is for me too. Last, yesterday actually, yesterday morning, praying in the room, the Lord just came to me and says, Son, you know something? You got an issue of surrender. I said, Really? I said, Yeah. And he brought me back to that time when I said all these glorious words, Lord, I will follow you. 
Lord, I will say what you want me to say. I will speak what you want me to speak. I will do all of that for you. But now when the rubber comes and meets the road, when the rubber meets the road, I'm beginning to waver. And the Lord says, son, that's a surrender issue. God is constantly working in our hearts, ladies and gentlemen. He is constantly working in our hearts. The key is to this, is this, are we responding correctly or are we trying to build that wall of pride that God comes to you and says, if you walk with pride, then you've got to learn how to eat grass like Nebuchadnezzar. If you walk with pride, there is nothing that I can speak to you. He who humbles himself will be exalted. But he who doesn't humble himself will be opposed. Brothers and sisters, if God were to stand in front of you and He applies this standard to you, how would you fare? Have you been teaching the uncompromising Word of God? Have you been teaching the complete counsel of God's Word? And that was the plumb line of God's judgment, which was inevitable, ladies and gentlemen. It had to come. There, will, there comes a time when God says, the clock is up, the time is up. At the times of grace that I've given to you to change, now I have to discipline you so that I will not lose you. And that is why God disciplines us, so that He doesn't lose us. Are you hearing me? Everybody's so quiet. That's why we go through the disciplining of God. Why? So that He could have fun with us? No. So that He can bring us back to His standards. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. The place of standard is a place of breakthrough. The place of standard is where God opens His heaven and pours forth His blessing. That you have no room to contain it. Hallelujah. I like that. The place of standard, the standards of God is a place where the plans and the purposes of God is being made known to us. And that the church rises up to the plans and the purposes of God. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. <clears throat> if you guys say amen. <clears throat> Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you shall know what the Lord of the hosts has set before you, for who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro the earth. One of the systems, one of the examples of the plumb that we read just now was the plumb line of God's judgment. But this is a plumb line of God's desire and God's restoration. Zerubbabel was a mighty man of God. He was a leader that God chose together with Joshua the high priest to lead the captivity back from Babylon uh, to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. The Bible says that this man, he was a great man. In fact, he had a signet ring. Now, in the Bible, the signet ring of the Lord uh, basically means this, that whatever Zerubbabel endorses, God endorses it too. 
That's the power of the signet ring. And he had that signet ring. And together with Joshua, the remnant had returned. They started the work of the construction of the temple of God. And it was his hands that laid the first foundation, the stone of the temple. And the Lord promised that his hands would lay the capstone, which is the last capstone of the building, to complete the building. But look at this. In this passage, we are told that the plumb line was given to Zerubbabel. And watch this. And it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord that the plumb line was in Zerubbabel's hand. Why? Because the Lord knows that Zerubbabel will build the house of God according to the plan of God. That was the desire. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm praying for that for this house, that God will give High Point Life that plumb line. That plumb line that God so desires. He says, you know what? You know, he looks down from heaven and he says, my heart rejoices because I know the plumb line that High Point Line carries, they will do it. And they will do according to all that I've desired for them to do. We don't see Zerubbabel with a towel around his hand and laying the stones to rebuild the temple walls, but we see him with a plumb line. Why? So that he's sure that the wall is going to go up straight. That is the call to standards. One is to be aligned to God's standards, and the second thing is to set the standards of God in place. So God is now giving the plumb line to Zerubbabel because He knows that Zerubbabel will build a temple and make that wall straight. It gave Him great joy. The Bible says the Spirit of God rejoiced when He saw that the plumb line was in the hands of Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. But now the remnant has returned and it must be built in righteousness and God rebuilt the walls of the temple that was destroyed. Why? Because he knew that Zerubbabel with the plumb line in his hands will begin to restore the standards of God back into the temple of God. Amen? There are two instances that has happened in Amos and Zerubbabel and I want to give you these two instances. Number one, the plumb line can fall into the wrong hands of the wrong person. Are you hearing me? The plumb line can fall into the wrong hands. If it does, it's disastrous, isn't it? You know, if, if, if the plumb line falls into the hands of a wrong ruler, what's going to happen to the country? Isn't that true? If the leader is deeply flawed and living in a compromised lifestyle, how is the measurements going to be upon the people? People are going to live callously. For example, this is an example, okay? Do not overread this example. It's just an example. If the pastor is compromised or crooked in his doctrine, what's going to happen to the whole church? It's going to be crooked. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't want to talk about standards anymore. We don't want to talk about the cross. We don't want to talk about the message of the cross. We don't want to talk about the message of the purity of the cross. What has happened to the message of holiness and the fear of God? What has happened to the laws and the principles of God? We don't talk about these things. And we don't talk about, when we don't talk about these things, how can the standards be applied? Ladies and gentlemen, if a man who is not straight within himself, who does not have the Word of God pulsating in his heart as the plumb line, everything he measures will be according to the worldly interpretation of life, according to the worldly standards. If, if you talk bad about someone, or if a pastor talks bad about another pastor, what kind of spirit are we inviting into the house? You know, I just had a chat with a friend of mine in Perth. And he said that, Tim, uh, we, we were having chat over bubble tea. And uh, if you're in Perth, 
is the best. They make five-star chicken wings. You know, it's five-star spies from Taiwan. Beautiful. Anyway, I was having a chat with him, and he said this. He said, Tim, just to let you know that our senior pastors have made a decision to stop drinking wine, alcohol. I said, beautiful, because you don't hear that often in Australia. Now, I don't drink. I only smell people who are drinking their alcohol, that's all. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't even know what it tastes like. I don't need to. I've made that consecration in my life to stay away from these things. Now, why was he telling me that? Because he notices that the moment the church gathers together for a gathering and they are taking their wine and their alcohol drinks, they all end up becoming very wild. And there is nothing godly in that moment. And I'm saying, yeah, because it needs to start from the top down. So I was very happy when he says the pastor has decided to stop drinking and he wants to set that standard. I said, great, that's how it starts. If a pastor loves to drink and does not have any standard on the issue of the consumption of alcohol, will soon attract like kind of people. There's going to be boundaries. Like attracts like if the man who holds the plumb line is crooked, crooked or crook, not only are the people going to be bent out of shape, you're going to attract those who are crooked as well. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you this. How is it in your home, in your family, in your children? Are we as the priests of the home, husbands, are you hearing me? Are we as the priests of our house setting the standards? I'm not ashamed to pray loud at home. I want my kids to hear it. That's how we do it. <laughs> That's how we do it. Dad, why do you always cry when you pray? Because I've been touched by the Lord. I need to plant these seeds in the hearts of my children. And also in my wife. I hope she's not listening. <laughs> I need to. I need to set some kind of a standard by the grace of God. Because that's all I know. The priests of your homes, are you setting the standards for your home? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to rejoice. I want God to rejoice when He looks at me, when He looks at you and He looks at the church and He says that, that plumb line that is in your hands, that you are found worthy to hold that plumb line of God's standards in your hands. That is what I want the desire of God to be. I want the desire of God to be for this church that God looks at the house of the Lord and says, this house fears me so forth, I will give forth a plumb line for this house to maintain the standards of God. But if we are not in line with that standards, how then can we be fit to hold the plumb line? Are you hearing me? Number two, plumb lines in the Scriptures has to do with foundations. And this is one I want to say at the end of the day, that all failure is foundational. Are you hearing me? Every failure is foundational. Go back to the core. Go back to the root cause of what has happened. And then make your way back. When the Lord told the church of Ephesus, the only way for you to repent is to go back to the first works, see where you have fallen from, and return back to where God is going to call you to. That's the key. I was in Uganda in 2018. And a pastor invited me to preach at his church. We had a seminar, a conference, and it was towards the end of the conference. And I had one Sunday left there, and this pastor invited me to this church and got me to speak 
I went there, I stood, on the pul- I stood before the pulpit, and all of a sudden I saw a vision of the foundations of the church cracked. It was not literal, it was spiritual. It was spiritual foundations being cracked. And it was so, it was so clear to me that I had to stop and began to pray and ask the Lord, what has happened? And so I called the pastor, I said, Pastor, I'm seeing a vision right now. I say, I'm seeing the foundations of this church being cracked. And suddenly the Lord spoke to me and says, because you have not treated the pastor, the founding pastor correctly. So I said to the pastor, because you have not treated the founding pastor correctly, and that's why this church is cracked. When you begin to make restoration, and when you begin to reconcile with the founding pastor, you will see the foundations of the church being healed, and the church will begin to grow. And he said to me, you are 100% correct you said. There was an issue we had with the pastor, and we left, we sacked him, we got him, we got rid of him, and this is what happens. I did not know anything about this house. Ladies and gentlemen, every failure is foundational. Go back to the root cause. Why has these things happened? And begin to make your way back. And I want to end with this story. The book of Judges begins with the book of... Don't turn to it. I'll just summarize this for you for the sake of time. The book of Judges begins with the journey of Israel. It's a beautiful journey. If you've got time, study the journey of Israel. It's a beautiful, fascinating journey. There's a lot of allegories, a lot of metaphors for you to learn. But the book of Judges begins with the journey of Israel entering the promised land. The instruction that God gave from Joshua to them was that when these inheritance, that place that I've given to you, I want you to go into that place and conquer and remove the squatters who are staying in that land. That land belongs to me. I'm giving it to you. I want you to get into that land and clear the squatters off. So the 12 tribes of Israel, every one of them was designated a certain portion of the land. And their job was to go, was this. They were to go into the land and claim their inheritance. Now the Bible says this. They went in there. They saw the squatters there. They did not get rid of them. They started to form an alliance with them. And the Bible calls that an incomplete victory. So what happens if you read Judges chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says that the Jebusites and the rest of the other sites... <laughs> Okay, dwelt with the children of Israel, and it was an incomplete victory. It was an incomplete victory of disobedience, ladies and gentlemen. And after seeing this incomplete victory, watch this. The angel of the Lord comes to the children of Israel and says this, according to Judges chapter 2. The angel of the Lord came up to Gilgal to Bokim and says, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, but today you made a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. I told you to tear down the altars, but you did not. You have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done these things? Are you hearing me? God is now coming to them and says, I've given you the inheritance. I've given you the specific instructions to do it. But you have not done it. Why have you done this? The Lord says to them. And he says to them, you know what? Because you have done this, I am not going to remove these squatters from the land. You're going to live with them and you're going to live with their foreign gods and their foreign gods will be a snare unto you. Are you hearing me? That was what happened. But God in His mercy eventually raised up a couple of judges to help them through. 
But God said this, have no alliances with these people. So the angel of the Lord comes to them, says this, watch this, listen to this very carefully, because you have made an alliance with these people, you will live with them, they will be a thorn in your flesh, and their foreign gods will be a snare to you. What does that mean? I'm going to paraphrase for you. This means this Israel. What this means is this, that your potential for growth is going to be hindered. Your potential for growth is going to be hindered and your influence is continually being hindered. You cannot move forward to the destiny I prepared for you and God removed their growth and this alliance will trap them to the point that they wish it never happened because of this obedience. Now watch this. The Bible says in the book of Judges chapter 11, the second chapter, it says because of that, because of that, an entire generation was raised who did not know God. Apostasy. Are you hearing me? Who did not know God. What was the root cause? All failure is foundational. What was the root cause? Disobedience. MLD. Multi-level disobedience. It starts going from the root. It starts building up, building up, layer upon layer. And very soon you find a, a huge disobedience of Babel in front of you. How do you conquer it? Go right down to the root cause and see from where these things have started. Can you see a pattern here? Disobedience, wrong alliance, no word of God, and apostasy entered. I don't want that to be in my family. I don't want my children to grow up without knowing God. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to do that. I want to impart something to them. High point life, that's the call of God upon your life. You know, as we were worshipping just now, I saw another vision, Pastor, that this is a healing stream, a place where people will become and get healed. I see an oasis of the river of God coming into this house. I see these beautiful plans and purposes of God that you have, that He has for this house. But we need to get there. We need to make all the changes we can make, pursuing drastic changes, doing all we can to get there. Let's all close our eyes and bow our heads. If that is your cry, Lord, I want to return back to the standards. I've entertained or I've walked in some level of disobedience, but today, I want to return back to the place of obedience because I want to return back to the standards. If that is you, no one looking around, just lift up your hands. Say, Lord, I want to return back to that standard. Because when that standard is there, everything will start flowing in order. In my home, in my family, and in my church. If that is you, no one looking, just lift up your hands. You can put your hands down. I want you to take the next step. If that is you, I want you to come forth. I want to pray for you. No one looking around. It's your time with the Lord. It's your time with the Lord. If that is you, Lord, I want to return back to the standards. Just come forward. Just come forward. Find an altar. Find a place in this altar. Kneel down before the Lord and say, Lord, restore these standards back into my heart, I pray. 
It has to be so right now. I've gone too far away from this, Lord. I need to get back to this. If that is you, if that is you, Lord, I want to return back to that standard. That's the standard for my life, for my family. Father, we come to you thanking you because Lord, you have not just spoken with us, spoken to us, but Lord, you have so gently dealt with us this morning. Lord, we want to stop compromising. Spirit of God, bring us into alignment to your plumb line. Bring this church into alignment with you. Your word says, to him who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Lord, we hear you. We hear you. Lord, we thank you that while you have issued a warning, you have also issued the prospects of renewal, the prospects of fresh wind. Dreams of living water, the prospects of returning to your plans and then seeing the church prosper for the glory of God. Like Isaiah, Lord, we humbly come to you this morning and say, Hear my Lord. Here am I. This is not about the person next to me. It's about me. Here am I. Send us. Send us as your servants. Use us as your instruments. Use us in our families. Use us in our workplaces. Use us in our church. Use us in our community. step into a new week let this be a new fresh start for me my household my church thank you God for good plans for all of us we step into it and we want to be obedient. We want to be obedient. Your ways are better than ours. We want that. We give up on ourselves and our plans. And we 
reach out to you for yours. Here we are. Here we are. Take us, Lord. All of us. All of us. Jesus' name. Amen.